0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. There's somebody that's not sure that God really has their back. In the midst of the situations and circumstances and the trials that they've gone through, they know that God loves them, but does he really have my back for today? Is he really going to come through and show himself strong? And I was reading this morning about how when the Israelites, when they were released and then they had to flee (laughs) because, you know, Pharaoh wanted to go back on his word. But, you know, God was there in the midst of everything that they were going through. He was a shadow for them by day so they wouldn't burn up in the sun. And he was a pillar of fire by night. So they wouldn't freeze up, and they had their bellies were filled every day. God did that. They didn't have to go out and search for that. When they were being bitten by serpents, God told Moses to make that, that bronze serpent, and that was to represent Jesus on the cross. And this was way before Jesus was ever crucified. And he said, "Tell your people." If they focus on this, if they keep their eyes on this, though they are bitten, they will not die. Things are going to come at us, but God wants you to know that he has your back. Even with all of the resources that we have around us today that they did not have back then, he has got your back. And he wants to prove himself faithful in your situation today. So don't give up hope. The reason we have praise and worship here every week is to point you to the answer, is to help you to shut off all of those cares and the stress and the worry. Me and pastor get it. We're out in the, the workforce. We work. We're not, you know, sheltered here in the church. So we get it. We get being bombarded from every side. And we have to remind ourselves, and the Holy Spirit will help remind you and make you aware of God's presence wherever you are. But he just wanted you to be encouraged this morning that he has got your back. It's it's not what we see, but it's where our focus is. And that is on Jesus refocus on Jesus to get you through the first part of your week. We love you and we care what happens in each one of your lives. Amen.
1: That's good, isn't it? We just need to be reminded. And you know, I think sometimes maybe we we take for granted this Sunday morning thing that we have and and you know, we as as leadership we see that we're, we're, we need to step out and have more opportunities and create those atmospheres, those spaces for people to create relationship. Because it's tough to do that on a Sunday morning, how many would agree? A lot of us are working and things are going on. But it really is a space. I want you to come and feel like you can just focus on your Heavenly Father. It doesn't mean that those burdens don't exist. But you know, I found this that Jesus said he, he came for a different reason. He said, Are you tired? Are you, are you burned out? Are you worn out on this religion thing? Are you burned out on it? He says, I want to give you a real rest. And he says, My burden is easy and my yoke is light. It doesn't mean that there isn't some type of burden. I know for me, a lot of times, I have a burden in my heart for people, but that's not a heavy burden. Do you, you know what I'm saying? It's like I really care for people that they experience the love of the Father. But guess what? It's not hard and heavy. It fits perfectly, and only time it hurts is when you try to buck the system. But it's Jesus saying, "Will you go along in life with me, and it will be a life of easiness in here?" Does that make sense? Because it's about a life of rest. So it's from this. Peaceful, restful state. Rest means I have faith in you. I trust in you, despite the circumstances happening around me. And so, again, that's why Sundays are important. It's a time to come together, worship corporately. I love it, don't you? Worship corporately, uh, hear a word from the Word of God, which I believe is inspired by the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ, to help us refocus not just on our own lives. Now, for some of us, for a season, it's all we can do. We're just holding on for our own life, right? but eventually it turns outward towards other people's lives. Amen. So a good word this morning. I just feel a sweet spirit. Do you feel that this morning? Holy Spirit wants to remind you that you're loved. He'll never leave you. He's there for you. And even when you're down in the dirty, dirty ditch, He's there with you. It's time to get up, turn around and say, there you are. Let's do life together. Amen. You guys ready to get in the word this morning? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. I want to start in verse 14. It says, Now that we know what we have... Now that we know what we have, what is that? Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. Now, I love what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. All of Hebrews is basically comparing the old way to the new way, the old covenant to the new covenant. So it's saying that Jesus is better than the priest system, he's better than angels, he's better than Moses, he's better than the law. Not that those things weren't good and they had their season and their time, but he's trying to get them to understand that Jesus is so much better. And so now Jesus is our high priest. Now the high priest, this is interesting, the high priest was the only one who was the contact between God and humanity. So we had several priests that would serve in the temple establishment as a Jewish people. And what would happen is the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was and he would represent the people. Now what's happening is Jesus is taking over that role in a brand new covenant, a brand new way. We are now the temple, he resides in us and now we have access to God through him. So he goes on to say, we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. How many would love that, right? He's been through weakness and testing experienced it all but the sin. So he experienced everything but he didn't sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. What is that? Take the mercy, accept the help. I think for a lot of us, we can read these scriptures and it just becomes kind of ritual or religious to us. And it's not that we're legalistic. I mean, this is one church we'd probably say it's not very legalistic around here. In fact, some would say we're a little too free. You're a little too free thinking you can live life just with the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm here to say you can because he's big enough to live through me. Amen. But sometimes we read these these particular verses, and if we're not careful, we kind of just go over them. We coast over them, and we don't realize how big this is, the fact that we have complete access now to God. It's not a matter of good day or bad day. We have complete access to God, and for what? To take the mercy, take the grace that we need. We can now boldly go to the throne of grace and receive grace in our time of need. So take the mercy and accept the help. And so I want to talk about this today because I think for some of us, we understand that we have this access to God, but even in my own life, I'll find sometimes I'll be going along, trudging along, doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'll realize, wow, maybe I'm not talking to my father about what's going on in my life enough. Maybe I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit about the direction to go. And you know, there's small decisions we can make, like, you know, if you need to go to the bathroom, then you should, right? I don't wait for the Holy Spirit to say, you should go to the bathroom. Okay, finally, you know, I go. But the point is, there's, there's this this life we can live according to the Spirit where we're hearing His voice, and I believe you can hear His voice. It's a still, small voice. It's not loud, and I'm going to yell at you to get out of the way. Now, I've had times where, where I was this close to actually experiencing death, and I felt something say, stop, and I stopped, and then the semi-truck went by that I didn't see, and it didn't hit me. I mean, I've actually had literally these things happen. I had my son behind my truck, didn't know he was playing behind there, Aiden, when he was maybe... Four years old five I didn't have a backup camera I was ready to put it in reverse and I was ready to back up well guess what I felt something to say don't do that and I'm like that's weird I got out of the truck came around he was he was down there just playing I would have ran over him I'm like thank you Holy Spirit that I heard your voice so it's important that we hear those things but do we realize that we have this full access with God so I want to talk about that today I want to talk about prayer I want to talk about keeping it simple amen will you pray with me Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to look into your word this morning. I pray that it wouldn't be some religious thing that we do on a Sunday morning, but we would take to heart the words that you're speaking through me today. I'm just a vessel. I pray it's not my opinion or my words. It's your opinion, your words, Holy Spirit, that it will change us. It will transform us and we will see you differently, which in turn will help us see ourselves differently and then in turn see others differently. And then we will suddenly see ourselves walking out the kingdom. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Before we go any further today, I, I want to bring this up. There, there's something, something weighing heavy on me. There's this, this serious issue uh, that's been going on, really, I think, in society as a whole. And I think if, if we're not careful, it's something that could literally permeate the entire world. It's a serious disease in our midst right now, and it's called SHD. How many have heard of this before? It's called Selective Hearing Disorder. Have you heard of this? Select- now, every one of my kids has suffered from SHD. How about you? You guys are like, I thought he was going to say something serious here. But this is serious selective hearing disorders very very serious uh, my kids could literally be a few rooms away for, well not a few I don't have a mansion I have a really small house maybe two rooms away and I would say their name I'd say hey I'm not going to use specific names because every single one of them I could use hey 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 and then you walk in the room like dude I've been calling your name You're like, oh you have now 10 minutes later we could be sitting two rooms away and I could say, "Hey babe," in a really small voice, you know, small quiet voice, like the Holy Spirit. This is always the Holy Spirit when it comes to this. "Hey babe, maybe when we're done here we should go get some ice cream at Uncle Ray's." From the other room it's like, "Ice cream?" It just blows my mind that they can't hear when you're yelling their name, but you say something like ice cream, and they suddenly... Right, right, come on. Parents, any parents here? This is how it works. Now, parents, we're not too far from suffering from selective hearing disorder, SHD. I just want you to write that down. It's a very, very, very horrible thing. But have you ever been somewhere, and your kids are calling your name? Some of us have this caught on video where your kids would say, Mom, 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 Dad, Dad dad, dad, and you're like, what? And they're like, why are you yelling at me? You were yelling at me. It's because you weren't listening to me. And you're like, you were calling my name? See, selective hearing disorder. It's tragic, people. Let's pray really hard for selective hearing disorder. Now, I'll make a little light of this, but our kids have experienced it. We've experienced it. It just seems like in life, even spouses, like, you serious? You didn't hear me say take out the trash? No, but you heard me say come to dinner. Big difference, Right? But how often do we go through life thinking that God suffers from SHD? that God suffers from selective hearing disorder. Have you ever felt like you pray prayers and they're just maybe bouncing off the clouds because they're not making it? Well, let me just change your theory there. It's not going up to somewhere far and far away. Heaven is here and heaven is now. It resides within us. Your heavenly Father hears you because God himself resides in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's not about him having selective hearing. But sometimes you look at someone else and you think, man, their life just seems to be going good. It seems like God's answering every prayer prayer. And so we go through life sometimes. Have you ever felt like, what does it even matter that I pray? Is he even hearing anyway? Am I the only one? Have you ever been in that place where you're like, why would I pray anyway? Well, I think what we can do here today is if we really look at what prayer means and what it's all about, it'll help us maybe not make that decision to say, well, I'm not going to go through that prayer ritual because he's not hearing me anyway. Because a lot of us here, if we've gone here for any amount of time, we understand what prayer means. We understand what it is, right? But I think often we can stress out about prayer and how we do it, where we do it, how long we do it. And I want to talk about this today. Now, for some of you, it might be just a good reminder. Maybe some of you have this down. I know for me and my life, honestly, I've gotten to a point where I'm talking to my dad all the time. It's just what I do. If I didn't have that communication, that line of communication with him, I don't know how I could go through life. I don't know how I could be a pastor. I don't know how I could be a good husband or a father. And not that I'm perfect at it by any stretch, but the thing is, without God, I don't feel like I could do those things to the capacity in which I do. Chuck Swindle said something interesting. He said, isn't it amazing that the very thing that God has given us to release anxiety, talking about prayer, has become the greatest source of anxiety for us as Christians? For some of us, I think it makes us anxious. I think it makes us wonder. And you know, if you want to get people to the altar, man, I'll tell you what, preach prayer, and better yet, preach prayerlessness, and those who make it law and obligation will feel guilty they'll feel condemnation over it oh my gosh i'm not praying enough and i i've heard these sermons and i've preached these sermons before and with good intention i want people to talk to god but better yet i think we need to get people to communicate with their father there's a big difference between the big guy in the sky and your daddy right here with you do you feel do you feel me and so it's important that we talk about prayer, but I do want to keep it simple. Uh, you know that, that acronym KISS, keep it simple, stupid? Well, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say keep it simple, saints, because I love you guys, because you're not stupid. We need to keep prayer simple in that this is an open line of communication to God that we have every day, 24-7. And it's an amazing thing that we need to tap into. I love Brennan Manning. He made this, this statement in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. He says, in the penitential seasons, or those seasons of repentance, where we're seeing things like God sees them more turning. In those penitential seasons, we focus on overcoming our weaknesses, getting rid of our hang-ups, and reaching Christian maturity. We sweat through various spiritual exercises as if they're designed to produce a Christian Charles Atlas. Now, for us today, we could say Arnold Schwarzenegger or maybe The Rock, okay? Charles Atlas was like 1922. He was a big thing in bodybuilding. But we try to become this this Christian bodybuilder, like really strong in what we do, and we do spiritual exercises to get that. He goes on to say, Though lip service is paid to the gospel of grace listen to this, many Christians live as if only personal discipline and self-denial will mold the perfect me. The emphasis is on what I do rather than on what God is doing. And I love this. He says, personal responsibility has replaced personal response. Do you see the difference? I'm all about personal responsibility. In fact, I think when you, when you connect with God, when you realize who you really are in Christ, do you, do you know what the outflow of that is? Personal responsibility. Uh, loving God, loving your neighbor, caring for others, walking righteously, bearing the fruit, doing good works. But it all starts with a personal response. And I think sometimes we get that cart before the horse, we're like, okay, man, I need to have personal responsibility in my life. God, just give me a minute, I'm working on personal responsibility. And he's going, hey, would you just have a personal response with me first? And then we'll work on the personal responsibility. Can you see how that works? And so I just thought that was such a powerful statement. Personal responsibility has replaced personal responsibility. Response: What he's saying is, sometimes we've made made the the spiritual exercises more important than the relationship with our Father. And let me tell you right now, the fuel for your life of living righteously, of doing what he's called you to do, it only stems from relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we can't get away from that. Now, I understand it's easy. I'll go through weeks where, you know, you get so busy and family and work and things that sometimes it's easy to forget, oh, yeah, God, you're right here with me. But he doesn't want us to forget that. Not because he's like, oh, you haven't talked to me in two days. I'm really bumming. Well, he might be bumming, but it's because he loves you and you're his kid. It's kind of like with my own kids. You know, I love when my kids come to me and, and, and want to talk through life, but if they would first of all walk in and go, oh, father, thou wast the greatest father of mine. I must speak to thee at this moment in this occasion. I'd be like, okay, Shakespeare, knock it off. What are we doing here? I don't want some religious experience or some ritual from you. I'm your dad. They have open access to me. They know that at any time they can come and discuss life with me, whether great things are happening or really crappy things are happening, it's because dad cares. Can we get to that point where we see God the same way? And some would say, well, he already knows what's going on. Yeah, but I tell you what, it's really therapeutic when you get it off your chest and you talk to your father. Because first of all, let me say this, the word father in the original language means source. So every time you say father, you're saying Source source of my life. Source of my everything. You're getting your focus back on who your source is. Do you follow me? And so prayer is extremely important, but how we do it is important also because if it becomes ritual and just something that we do and we repeat over and over again, we're missing the point. So today I want to consider a different way to pray. The way that God intends for us to pray. And I don't want anyone here today to leave under guilt or condemnation. That's not going to be what this is about. I think you're actually going to walk out with this sense of freedom that God really loves me, and he just wants to communicate with me and me with him and have this ongoing relationship where he is showing me wisdom and truth and discipline and training, and he's growing fruit for my life and causing the good works to happen. It's absolutely amazing if we can just hook up and tap in to our source, the Father. Amen? Amen. So three simple questions that I want to answer today. And they are simple questions, but it's funny with these simple questions, how we've often got these wrong in a religious kind of establishment or that idea. Number one: are prayers just letters to God? Are prayers just letters to God? You know how many remember the, the little books? they think they're called "Dear God Books." They're cute little books, you know, with it's just the way the art is and stuff. It's like, dear God. And I think it's cute and everything, but sometimes I think our dear God prayers, we might as well say, to whom it may concern. Well, is anybody going to hear this up there? To whom it may concern, instead of addressing our Father, our source. Does that make sense? It's like, are we doing just dear God or to whom it may concern letters instead of what prayer really is? And I believe this, it becomes cold. It becomes so distant. But we have to see something that we're not distant from the Father because he dwells on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. He's there all the time, 24-7. And I know a lot of us get this, but sometimes we have to really get our focus right to see it. Does that make sense? Like we know, but to really see, we have to get our focus right. Have we made prayer so formal that we've completely missed out? We've completely missed the point? The prophet Isaiah, he prophesied about the new life that we have with God. And then then Matthew, the disciple, he wrote in his gospel, he documents the fulfillment of this prophecy. It says this, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. In Hebrew, this means God with us. Now, before this time, God with us wasn't a normal concept. I, we, sometimes we take things for granted I'm talking to myself to realize that the God of the universe is with me In fact, the Apostle Paul goes on to say that we're clothed in the Spirit of Christ, that Christ is united with us, that he's in us. We're in him. We're cemented or glued together. Nothing can pull you apart. Do you know that people before the burial and resurrection of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, they didn't have this concept? It couldn't happen? Even in the Old Covenant, when, for instance, Samson, how many remember Samson? You know, Whether it was Samson or the prophets, it would say that the Spirit would come up on them How much better do we have it where the spirit dwells within us? I think we lose focus of this sometimes because, again, number one is we look at prayers like they're just letters to God. Now, some of you have gotten past this, and praise God you have, because it's not just about letters to God, writing formal letters. It's about talking to your dad, your father, who was your source. Why is this important, though? Why is it important that we see that it's God with us, God dwelling in us? Because any other idea puts distance between us and our Heavenly Father. And it's not him doing it to us. It's not like he's saying, you're not praying enough, I'm going to distance myself from you. No, it's us saying, God, you're far and away. And I don't know if I'm good enough or worthy enough. Or I got all this stuff going on, so I can't concentrate on you. It's us that puts distance between God and ourselves. And see, with people with this mentality, they'll believe and tell others that God values us as servants rather than sons, that he relates to us like a general does to a soldier. I mean, we even have songs in children's church, you know, I'm in the Lord's army. Well, first of all, guys, you're not in an army. Paul was saying to be as a soldier, sober and vigilant, okay? But we're not in an army. We're in a kingdom. Do you follow me here? Might mess with some of our ideas, but you're not in the Lord's army. There's no army. It's, it's a kingdom, and your are sons and daughters. Can we make that clear today? You're sons and daughters of God. He's your father. And this is a big deal. If we don't understand this, then all of a sudden we have formal letter type prayers to God because I'm his humble servant. Now, do we serve the Lord? Absolutely. My kids serve me in my household whether they like it or not. No, my kids serve me in our household. I'll say, hey, Ethan, can you take out the trash? It's Friday. Yeah, Dad, no problem. Now, he doesn't, I I don't think that I was being like some vicious ruler over him. I just said, take out the trash. And he's doing it because it helps out the kingdom of the Brancic household to not have trashy garbage, especially when my grandkids come over and they have poopy diapers. It's awesome in the summer when you pop those babies out in the garage in the trash, right? I want that out to the road. And so it's him helping us in life in our little kingdom called the Barancic household. Well, it's the same thing with God. And so I think it's important that we see that we're sons and daughters. We're not servants. We're not soldiers. We're sons and daughters who do things in the kingdom that he's assigned to us. Why? Because he's gifted us to do those things. And if you're gifted to do it, it's not hard and heavy. In fact, when you're in, that, in that, that groove of what you're called to, man, it feels just right. It's called passion. And it's amazing when we actually give in to the passion that God's put in our heart. So relationship for people with this paradigm, it's not about enjoying life together with their father. It's about following orders. And if you've been here for any amount of time, Christianity is not about following rules or rituals or orders. It's about relationship with our Heavenly Father, and out of that is this outflow of good works and fruit production, which, by the way, comes from the Spirit, not you, right? And it's this amazing relationship that we have with our dad. Here's the issue. When we approach God this way, prayer becomes a monologue rather than a dialogue. Now, if you've seen any late night shows, what's a monologue? They get in front of the camera and they just talk to you. It's one-sided. It's a one-sided relationship. But God doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be where he just sits there and he doesn't say anything or do anything. And you just, you know, say a bunch of stuff. I need to just pray. And, you know, every time I have a problem, I'll come to you. But other than that, no, he wants a real relationship with you. Do you follow that? I mean, imagine if your kids only came to you when they had problems. I want a relationship with my kids when things are going awesome, too. I want to be part of the awesomeness. Now, I want to help them when they're in dire need, of course, or maybe before it becomes dire. But the thing is, I want a well-rounded relationship with them, and that's what your father desires from you. So again, are prayers just formal letters to God? Well, the answer is no. It's real-life conversation with your father. And what does father mean? source. You guys are getting it. That's your source. Number two, where should I pray? Hey, don't give away the answer. No, but where should I pray? In fact, I'd like to add to this, and what is a prayer closet? How many have heard the prayer closet before? I want to look at a verse in Matthew chapter six. This is Jesus here in verse six, and he says, but you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, from this, we get this idea of a prayer closet. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard, I've got to get in my prayer, prayer closet, man. I need to pray and fast. And I think, if you need to pray and fast and get into a prayer closet, that's awesome. Do it. Okay? I'm not against these things. But when they become ritual, when they become I got to do in order for God to do, We forget that it's a finished work and he's already done. And prayer is about us tapping into what he's already done for us. Uh, It's confession, which is saying the same thing as him. So whether it's a financial need, whether it's healing in your body or your soul, whether it's healing in a relationship, uh, whether it's you approaching someone differently or having a better attitude, guess what? Already been provided. So we go to God and say, God, I know this has been provided, but I believe and I receive what you've already done for me. Does that make sense? So that's what prayer is. But where should I pray? And what is a prayer closet? Now, I think it's all about context. Jesus wasn't saying that that you can only pray good or proper prayers by shutting yourself away in a particular place. If we look at the context, I think it'd become a lot more clear here. So let's look at verse five. We looked at Matthew 6, 6. Let's look at, look at 5 and 6 together and see what Jesus is really saying. And I, I love how the message translates it here. It says, and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. And he says, do you think God sits in a box seat? Now, we got to understand what was going on here at this time. The religious folk would would come out onto a street corner out in the open and they would pray these wonderful prayers. I mean, have you ever been in a service where someone's like, man, they pray so perfectly. I wish I had that perfect like Elizabethan English, man. God must really hear them. And so we think, wow. But what God's saying is, you know, all this, all this prayer in public and trying to make a spectacle of it, he says, do you think God sits in a box seat? Like he got, you know, box seat tickets because you're so good. He wants to see you just belt out some good prayers. See, this is the context Jesus was talking about. But then Eugene Peterson breaks it down so beautiful in verse 6. He says, here's what I want you to do. Don't do the theatrical production, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. This is why it's important to get away. I've been in situations where, you know, years ago I would, I would maybe be in a service and, and I'd feel like, okay, I gotta, I gotta be a certain way when I pray so it looks okay. And it wasn't like I was trying to impress people. I just thought, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. But he says this. He says, you won't be tempted to role play before God. Then he says, just be there. I love this. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. God's not looking for you to perform. Listen, if if you're down in the dumps, and listen, when you talk to your father, be honest. Be who you are. Laugh, cry, yell, scream. I've done it all. I've even said words maybe I shouldn't have said because I'm like, Lord, I don't know what is going on right now. And God never left me. Be honest. Be who you are. I understand the idea of, of reverential awe for God. I mean, I am in awe of him every day. And it's not because I'm scared of him. It's because of his white, hot, burning love for me. There's a reverence and there's an awe that comes when you realize His love for you, when you realize how big his grace is for you. And you're, you're not looking for ways to get away with stuff unless it's to get away with him because it's so good in his presence. It's so good to spend time with your daddy because he loves you and he cares about what you're going through. Do you feel me? And so it's not about not having reverence for him, but it's about being open and honest and saying, Lord, I'm just I'm going through this situation. Or Lord, this is so good. Thank you for the favor you give me in this situation. You're so awesome. It could be either side of it. He just simply wants you to be yourself. Be honest. Be transparent. And I love this last line. He says, the focus will shift from you to God. Where's the focus shift to? To God. And look at this you will begin to sense his grace. We just read Hebrews. And it says that we can boldly come before the throne of grace. We can receive the grace in time of need. This is what happens. This is what Jesus was saying. He's not saying that you can't pray any and everywhere. We should pray any and everywhere. How many can agree with that? I mean, I pray without ceasing. How else could you do that if it was only in one spot? It's like, can't go to work, can't make food, can't go to the bathroom because I gotta stay here without ceasing. No, this is an, an ongoing lifestyle of communicating to your heavenly father. But sometimes it's really good to just get away from just what's going on through the work week and just the circumstances and your crazy wife, I mean, your crazy husband, in, you know you're crazy kids that boss that just seems like he can't stand you when really what he can't stand is the Jesus in you sometimes that happens sometimes people get jealous because you just exude this love and this grace and this goodness and you almost glow and they're like they get jealous of it and they don't even know why but it's the greater one who's inside you so keep letting it shine but sometimes get away into that secluded place, wherever that might be for you. For some of us, like the only time I get any time is on my way to work in the car. Maybe that's your prayer closet. It's your prayer car. Whatever you need to do. But why do we focus on Him? Because then we won't focus on our stuff. We won't focus on ourselves. And what happens is we begin to sense His grace. Have you ever been in that spot and suddenly you sense His grace and everything seems to change? Even though the circumstances haven't yet, in here, everything seems to change. It brings rest to your soul. This is what your Father desires for you. Jesus' main point here is to shift our focus from ourselves to our Father God. Father means source. He's saying, "Will you look to me as your source in this situation. And I really think that this is our biggest obstacle at times. Getting our minds clear of all the junk that's going on around us and focusing on his love and his grace. Focusing on his finished work and his provision. Focusing on our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So where should we pray? Anywhere and everywhere. But more importantly, a place where we can get focus on our Father, who again, Father, is what? Our source of everything. Number three. This is a big one. How long should I pray? How long should I pray? I bring this question up because in my own life I've had times where Man, I don't know if it was, you know, maybe New Year's resolution or mid-year resolution where that's it, man. I'm getting this prayer life thing down. I'm doing it, man. Tomorrow, I'm going 10 full minutes. And you're like, what? I did 30. Shut up. I'm doing 10 whole minutes. And for maybe one or two days or a week, I do my 10 minutes. But see, if it's not authentic relationship building, communication with Father, eventually it's just ritual and it gets old. Have you ever been there? I mean, Pete, do you remember when we used to come over like, guys, we're getting together to church at 5.30 a.m. every morning. We're going to pray. And we're like, yeah, okay. You know, like you put on your, your Christian face. Like, that's awesome. I've been craving that. I've been craving getting up an hour earlier so I could go to the church in the middle of winter and pray with my bros. I've been guilty of sitting on the back row praying. And then falling asleep, you know. And then you wake up. You're like, yeah, yeah, amen, brother. Like, what's up, man? I was just deep in the spirit, brother. But no, I was sleeping. Because it wasn't real, it wasn't authentic. Now, some of you listen, our prayer meetings, doing all this stuff—that's awesome. And if that's your heart, then do that. But see, you must have had some authentic connection with your father. And I've had those times too. I've been at those those guys' prayer meetings. I'm making light of it, but I've been there, and that's been real. And I'm talking to Dad, and it's corporate prayer, and it's awesome, right? But I think we need to ask that question: How long should I pray? Now. There was this thing going on. I don't know if it's going on so much anymore. It was almost become a doctrine about, could you not tarry one hour? Anyone hear that? Could you not tarry for one hour? And it means linger, watch, wait. I'm not here to bash any certain doctrine or idea, but I, I want to look at this and rightly discern the scriptures. Remember, it's always important to understand context. So in Matthew chapter 26... Jesus is really close to his crucifixion. And this is where this idea came from, like, could you not tarry one hour? In other words, if you can't pray for at least one hour a day, then you're missing it. This is kind of how the doctrine went. If you can pray an hour a day, great. If you can pray two, great. Um, I prefer to just pray kind of all the time. Talk to my dad all the time, right? Pray without ceasing. But if you want to have that specific time where you get away, that's great. But we've got to be careful sometimes to not put what we do on someone else to say, if you did it like me, then God would love you more. That's, that's the issue. But in Matthew 26, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and, and suffer greatly in his body. And so he, he went up with his disciple to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he was in the garden... He told his disciples, he says, Sit here while I go over there and pray. So, in other words, listen, guys, you're my closest dudes, Peter, James, and John. I want you to hang here. I need some support. You know, stay awake, pray with me. I've got to deal with some stuff. Now, you gotta understand the disciples at this point didn't really realize what was gonna happen. Like, even though he told them he was gonna die, they're like, Yeah, yeah, okay, God, I'm not Peter said, I'm not gonna let that happen. I will die for you before you die. Okay, Peter. Well, we see what happens later, right? I mean, that's humanity. I'm going to make all these promises. And so he says, will you just support me as my close buds? I I got to get through some stuff and talk to my father, my source. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He says this to them. And then he goes and prays. and He says, my father, Abba, daddy. See, he got that relationship. He says, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And so he's off praying. The disciples are supposed to be, you know, keeping watch, meaning awake. That word watch actually means to not be sleeping. And so he said, Will you just stay awake and support me? He comes back. Guess what? They fell asleep. They were completely asleep. And he says, Couldn't you, men, keep watch with me for one hour? In other words, couldn't you stay awake for one hour, guys? I'm going through like the worst time of my life and I need support here. Now, we've made a lot of doctrines out of what this means, right? But he simply had his friends, his closest buddies to his heart. He's like, listen, I need support. How many know Jesus was human? Right? 100% God, 100% human. How many think that maybe he was going through some emotions as he was approaching the cross? If you knew that you were going to be beaten, basically slaughtered and put on a cross, you'd probably be like sweating a little bit, right? Right? And it even says that Jesus sweat drops of blood. I mean, he was really in travail over this. This is not an easy decision, but nevertheless, your will, not mine. So what happens is he goes away to pray again. He comes back and they're sleeping again. And so from this whole idea, we've got this, this doctrine we created, like Jesus said to pray at least an hour. Could you not do that? So we made it into this ritualistic thing. You must do at least an hour because, man, when you pray an hour, stuff happens. Well, let me say, there's been times I've talked to my dad for five minutes and more has happened than any of the times I did a full hour. It's because of the communication, the open line we have, and my understanding of my father's heart towards me. And so it's important that we see this. In verse 43, it says this of Matthew 26, when he came back uh, again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. 45, then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. So here's this really important point in the life of Christ where as a human, he was feeling these feelings and these emotions because he knew it was gonna happen and he was looking for his buddies to support him in this, but they didn't even get it. But Jesus still loved them despite this, right? But there's no doctrine in here that if you pray for one hour, things will really happen. How about this? When you pray Abba, things will really happen. Can you see the difference? When Jesus would, would pray to his father, his Abba, he called him Daddy. Why? He understood his heart. In fact, Jesus said that I came to show you the heart of the Father. And so it's important that we see this. So how much time is the right amount of time? Well, that's based on your season, your relationship, and where you are. But I'm here to say something that it should not be a time factor because when you get wrapped up in that, I used to do that. And like I said, i make a resolution. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for 15 minutes, and then I'm going to bump it up to 25, and then I'm going to do this. And then as soon as I would miss a day or my time would be short or I didn't really feel it, I would get in condemnation over it. Why? It wasn't real. It doesn't mean that my heart wasn't really wanting to pray, but I didn't get the heart of my Father. I didn't see him as my source. I I wasn't there to get my focus on him instead of my circumstances. I was there to do something to maybe make him a little more happy with me. But then I came to this conclusion. He won't love me anymore or any less. He's not any less happy with me than he was the day before because I'm his son and he cares about me and he loves me. And what that's caused me to do is actually open my life up to this, this line of communication with him that's been like never before because I don't feel like I have to perform. It's not these letters to God. It's not in a certain place, and it's not a certain time. It's living life with my Father. A couple of years ago, I've, I've told some people about this, but I went through this, this, this period where I stopped praying. Now, when I say that, you're like, what? you stopped praying, how can you do that? Well, at least the way that I used to. I had to take a step back from things in my life and and, and really, I guess I had to let Father show me what was real and what wasn't. Sometimes when you grow up in denomination and maybe a certain way of thinking, I think it's good that you step back and you say, you know what, Father, the most important thing right here, right now is that I know who you are. And so I went through this phase where I said, Father, I need to know who you are. I'm gonna put aside all these other things that I've done but see, in time, I've slowly brought some back because now I'm doing them authentically. I'm doing them because of my relationship with God. And I think it's okay. God's okay with that. But the most important thing we can have is a relationship with our Father that's true, that's genuine, that's authentic. And so I, I realized that there had to be another way. There had to be a better way to pray. And after I read First Thessalonians, I realized that I had found a new way. During this period of not praying, I found myself meditating on my heavenly father more than I ever had. I would talk to him more than I ever had. And it wasn't this formal ritualistic thing. It was like just authentic and real. And that's what I have today. And I know some of you here, we've talked about this. You have that same relationship with God. I'm trying to get us today to realize that it's, it's not about a certain place, a certain amount of time, and a certain way. It's about getting to know your father's heart, having personal time with him, So that he can focus you on him, his desires, what he's put inside you, what he's doing in and through you. Does this make sense? Otherwise it just becomes this formal ritualistic thing that we do and it never really becomes real. It never feels like it's doing anything other than just praying ritualistic prayers. So 1 Thessalonians, we read this last week, let's read it again. It says, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God, no matter what happens, this is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. You know, I started finding myself praying all the time, praying without ceasing, right? It was a full time relationship with God. Why settle for an hour of formal, distant prayers when I could have a continual open line of communication with my dad? That's what it comes down to. So here's the old prayer idea. Old prayer idea equals formal prayers to a distant God. The new prayer reality equals a never-ending relationship with my Heavenly Father. I hope we see this today. And, And again, for some of us, maybe we're already there. Maybe for some of us, it's just reminding us of this. But. As far as prayer is concerned, this is communication with God. And we've got to get out of the idea that I'm just writing letters to God and I've got to do it a certain way to garner more love or, or, or happiness to him or he'll be more pleased with me if I do this thing. We've got to realize he's pleased when you come and talk to him because he's your dad. I'm pleased when my kids come talk to me. In fact, sometimes I've had issues where my kids didn't talk to me about something like, why didn't you come to me and talk? My door is open. I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to help. Well, Dad, we didn't want to bother you with that. I'm like, you're not bothering me. I want to know what's going on in your life. Our Heavenly Father is the same way. It's not about ritual. It's about reality in this life with Him that's authentic and real. Amen. Heavenly Father, we, again, thank you for this opportunity we had this morning. Father, I pray that people would really get your heart. This morning, I feel... Just this this bent today towards your heart and your love towards us. This craving that you have for relationship with us. I pray that we would get away from this idea that prayer needs to be formal, It, it needs to be in a certain place for a certain amount of time. That we would literally come to this realization that you just desire a real life relationship with us. We don't have to pretend. We can even come with our issues. You know, all of us are broken in certain areas of our life, and that's why you came, Jesus, to give us salvation in every facet of our life. Healing, wholeness, safety, preservation, deliverance. That's what you came to give to us. That's what salvation is. I just pray we would come to a place where we would realize that the answer lies in you. Time spent with you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the the peace and the rest that we receive when we have faith and trust in you. If there's anyone here today who would say, you know what, I've heard you talk about this relationship with God, and uh, I don't know if I've ever really made a decision to say yes to Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask that question. If you're here and you say, you know what, I believe that God loved me so much that he sent his son. That his son lived a sinless life, that his son died, was buried and resurrected so I could have new life in Christ. And I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. Just quickly raise your hand. I see those hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who have raised their hands this morning. When they raise their hands, it's just an outward response to an inward happening. They're saying yes to Jesus, we believe. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in them, that you're there to guide them through their lives. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're showing them your love for them, your grace for them. That as they go through this journey, they start to see this awesome fruit of the Spirit and these good works that you put in them and ask that you bless every person here who's already made that decision to say yes to Jesus. That we would see that it's not just yes to Jesus and then I just go through turmoil and Lord, please rapture me out at some point quickly. But that we see that life in you is heaven now, living it now, bearing your image, showing others what the kingdom is all about. And that only can transpire, that can only happen when we have authentic relationship with you. I pray today that the walls have come down walls of ritual, walls of thinking we had to do things in a certain way and we get back to basics, communication with you. We thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. God is good.
0: For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.